Again, I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 8 out of the New King James Version. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. The Lord sent a word against Jacob and it has fallen on Israel. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. One thing I like to do as a kid, and maybe you all did this too, when my parents used to show these Super 8 films and slideshows, which most young folks have no clue what are. But they would set it up and the screen would be set up and the light would be showing and no pictures. And, and myself, my sisters, anybody else gathered around would start going like this in a light. You know, making little critters and creatures and stuff like that. I was never really good at it. I, you know, I tried to make bunnies and alligators and scary things like that. I wanted to be good at it, but I wasn't. But I still like to try. Well... Let me put a little um, side note here. I still like to try. <laughs> Don't think that part of me as a kid ever grows up. I'm not sure. Um, but, y- you know, it's funny because my imagination can make no matter what I put out there like a, a creature. Even if it didn't look like something, it would look like a creature and I'd go eat the other creatures, you know. On the screen, of course, and it would look like that it was actually happening Although it wasn't, just the screen showed a shadow of that. Now, did you know that everything that has a light on it casts a shadow? We kind of learned that, didn't we? The shadow looks a lot like what's casting it until you begin to put different layers there of different things, which is why you could make your hands look like a like an eagle or a hawk or a, a rabbit or whatever else that you were good at. Some people I know could do a horse. I would say nay, I could not. (laughs) And the reason it casts a shadow about what it looks like is that it reflects an image of it based on its relationship to the light. So if you hit your hand straight out, it's going to look like a hand. You slightly turn your hand, it's not quite the full force of a hand, but at an angle. 
Now, when you look at the moon at night, you'll see a crescent moon, a full moon, a quarter moon, no moon. The same sun is still shining on that moon, but it's your perspective to that moon as to how much of the light you see. I was looking at it uh, one day this week, and I saw the crescent moon shining for us. And I said, well, how come it looks like a, a sliver of a circle when it's just the side of the moon that's lit up that I see. And I had to do some thinking to see how that part of the moon would look like a crescent from this viewpoint. But it does. It's still illuminated uh, the way it has always been illuminated by the sun. It's just our viewing angle determines how much of it we see or don't see of the reflection. And it's true for us as well. It determines the viewing angle of our lives to see whether or not we reflect the glory of God upon us or something else. Our lives will reflect the glory of God, but it's based on our relationship to Him and with Him. Much like a shadow cast on the ground. When Jesus died on the cross, the light of God's salvation was shining on Him. This is where our salvation, our redemption was purchased with His lifeblood. Judgment on sin was taking place at that time. The shadow cast a long shadow that day. But I want to tell you what I mean. The shadow of the cross cast a long shadow that day. All the way through today and beyond. And what I mean by the shadow of the cross is what that cross was covering. Let me give you a, a simple illustration. I think I can do this without a light booth or anything like that. Have you ever stood out in the sun and uh, you know made the shadow looked at them and just wondered you know like see how tall you were in the longer sun and how short you were in the noon sun and just played with shadows like that? Well, what would happen in those moments when a cloud would cross by and you'd be under the cloud shadow, what would happen to your shadow? You, your shadow disappears in the shadow of something else, doesn't it? So something is big enough to cover you in its shadow, your shadow is gone. When we bring our dark side, our brokenness, to the cross, the shadow of the cross covers us the same way. God sees the light of His countenance upon His Son, Jesus Christ. The shadow of everything that touches covers over the darkness that it's covering. And you ever think about that? It's an interesting statement to make this morning because some people say when Jesus died on the cross that God turned His head. And I have no belief in that. I believe it showed the darkness of sin, not the darkness of God. You see, God knew that His Son did nothing wrong to be rejected by Him. Jesus was despised and rejected of men according to our Scriptures and according to the reality. So where the shadow of the cross falls with Jesus on it and the light of God shining upon it, darkness covers the darkness. But the darkness of the shadow of the cross is a shadow of grace which we need. 
That when God sees you through the cross of Christ, He sees redeemed. He does not see your darkness, nor your sin, nor your guilt and shame. He sees redemption because you're under His Son's blood and cross. This is what God sees. That's good news. That's really good news. But up to us still standing inside our shadow or seeing it, it doesn't always look so good. We have to come to the cross, to the mercy seat, and bring our darkest thoughts, fears, and doubts. The shadow of the cross is the influence of where it covers. It covers the sin and the shame. It deals with the parts of us that we don't like to talk about. It also deals with the parts of us that we do like to talk about because Calvary covers it all. Now, I, I mentioned the parts that we don't like of ourselves. Well, there's a part that we like to keep hidden. There's an old saying a lot of people say, if you really knew me, you might not like me. If you knew my thoughts, you wouldn't think I was so godly. That's what a lot of people think. If you just really knew me, you wouldn't welcome me here. The thing is, God knows your thoughts and He does welcome you here. He knows your inner workings. He knows every thought you think. And He welcomes you here. But the part of us, we still don't like it. It makes it hard to look into our own eyes in the mirror. It's hard to look at ourselves in the mirror for any longer than a few seconds. I've seen people do this. They'll look in the mirror and they'll print or do this stuff. But as soon as they're done, they turn away. Are you like that? Or do you go, go up to the mirror, kind of like if you ever saw Happy Days, Fonzie, look in the mirror and go, Hey, how are you doing, guy? He was happy with the guy there. You know, He said, man, you're a good looking guy, man. We're friends. I like you. Do you do that? How many of us do that in the mirror every morning? Man, good to see you this morning. I wondered if you'd be here. I was waiting for you. We don't do that with ourselves. People look at us, they think we were crazy. But of course, God thinks we're a little bit crazy when we look at ourselves and don't like ourselves because He loves us. He says, why don't you? I do. And if you don't love who I love, what's wrong with you? It's because we live in the shadow of the darkness rather than the shadow of the cross. And so we try to make friends with the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror if you so prefer. And we try to look and have a conversation. And, and if you've ever done this, it's really all I recommend nobody home but you when you do this to, to stand in front of the person in the mirror and go, hey. Just like that. Hey. Do you know what? They're going to do the same thing. <laughs> If you smile at them, they'll smile back. If you go, ew, they're going to do the same thing. Because they feel the same way you do about you. So why not make that person a friend, right? Why not begin to remove the shadow from the person in the mirror, which is also your shadow? It's a way to begin to think about what we're talking about this morning. And you might dismiss that idea as hooky or weird. Or maybe you've never considered and think, well, that's pointless. What good is that going to do? Well, maybe you're not comfortable with yourself. Maybe you brush your teeth and look at the teeth and you don't look at the rest of it because you don't want to see the rest of it. 
You know how most people look in the mirror? <laughs> this is so true, too. We look in the mirror to see what's wrong. To see what I can fit. Whether it's my hair, my makeup, my makeup, my makeup. My teeth, did I need my teeth? Did I floss? Did I, did I miss? Is something that I shave well? Did I, did I not shave well? All these different things that we look in the mirror to see what we can fix. Because we're worried about what doesn't fit, what's wrong. Rather than looking in the mirror and going, man, I have nice eyes. This morning, I, I, I don't know if you all know this, but um, when you have to have a picture for your passport, you have to take your glasses off. Mm-hmm. They don't let them on. So this week I went to the post office getting ready for this Israel trip in February. I had to take my glasses off and they took a picture and they put it with the thing and submitted it. And they, they, they actually had two copies of it so they gave me the other one. And, and I looked at it and I'm not used to seeing me with my glasses off. And I looked at the picture and I said, well either that's a good camera or I'm looking better than I used to. And I went, why did I say that about myself? Am I arrogant? Am I proud? And I said, no. I don't think I look horrible. I don't despise that person. That person is my friend. And so this morning, I took my glasses off, looked in the mirror, and went to try and mimic the pictures so I could like myself. To repeat the experience. But the guy in the mirror, it was a mirror image of the picture, so it wasn't quite right. But I will tell you this. When I saw what I saw in the passport photo this morning, I went, God, you did a good job. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm still kicking after all these years, still being able to see myself in the mirror. I'm thankful this morning. Thank you for the person in the mirror. And I'll do what I can to make sure you have a good day today. Thank you. So there was gratitude as I looked in the mirror. What about you? Are you looking for the signs of aging? Or the signs that you're still going? A lot of people feel shame and pain when they look in the mirror. Oh, I should have taken better care of myself. We all should have taken better care of ourselves no matter how good we did. But we are who we are. And God loves us that way. When you see yourself, are you still looking for flaws and things that touch up? Or are you looking to the countenance of the person to lift them up with encouragement? Because the same way you see yourself is the way you expect others to see you. I'm going to say that again. The same way you see yourself when you look in the mirror is the same way you expect others to see you. If you have a little... Uh, mole like I used to have here before it was cut off. You think everybody's staring at it. Because I would. And in the mirror, what would I see? Oh, my big face. And I'd count on 1% of what was there and focus on that one thing. It's what we do, isn't it? We focus on that one thing that we don't like rather than encouraging and saying, you are a beautiful child of God. Go out there and give God the glory. Encourage yourself. But instead, we look at and see what's wrong and then we go out and publicly go, I hope they don't see that. And I know they do. And when they're looking at me, they're not looking at my face or looking at that spot. 
They're looking at this. They're looking at that. And if they're not looking at that, and they're looking at me in one way, we think, well, did I not put my hair straight? What happened? You know, all these negative things, because we stand in the shadow of who we believe we are, instead of listening to the shadow of the cross, which says we are righteous and holy, first and foremost. We are not sinners. We are saints. We've lost the definition of what God told us. In the New Testament, it calls everybody in the church who belongs to Jesus Christ a saint. It doesn't say a sinner saved by grace. It says a saint in the kingdom of God. We are saints. If you see yourself as a sinner, you see yourself in the shadow. Still. If you see yourself as a saint redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, guess what? You've got to start living like a saint. If I'm a sinner, I can live like a sinner. I'm just redeemed because I make a mistake, God will forgive it. As a saint, I say, I don't have to do that anymore. I can live differently today. And I can look at myself in the mirror and say, I encourage you today to live like God made you to be. And then agree with myself with two thumbs up, make it four with the other guy helping, and we'll have a great day. It sounds a little ridiculous, but if you're not going to do it for yourself, nobody else might either. That feeling about yourself when you look in the mirror comes from shadows or it comes from the redemption? Are you standing in the shadow of the darkness or the shadow of the cross? That dark feeling about yourself is not from the shadow of God's light, but from the darkness we believe is descriptive of our inner nature and our value. Remember I was saying that you put your hand out, you can see the shadow of the hand there. Well, when we stand and look in the mirror, we see the shadows. And what we see are the memories and ideas of our identity from what we've learned growing up throughout life. This is true about me because this is how I feel about myself. This is how people respond to me, so this is true. And when we look in the mirror, we look for things to confirm that. We're not looking for the light of the cross on ourselves because if we saw that, we'd see righteousness and holiness staring back at us. And we can't go, oh, no, ah, you. I know my thoughts. God still declares you righteous and He knows your thoughts. Again, He knows everything about you. He knows when you go and lay down and you rise up. He knows when you're up in the middle of the night crying out and when you're uh, frustrated and lonely and broken. And also when you're on your knees in prayer. He knows all of it. Whether you are alone or in a crowd, it even says in the Scripture, when you pray in your secret place and nobody else is there, God sees you and will reward you. He sees you in your darkness. But He also sees you in the shadow of His Son's cross. And thank God He does. Because if He saw us like we were before Jesus Christ, we're in trouble. (laughs) I know I am. In Psalm 139, it talks about David being formed in his mother's womb, being fearfully and wonderfully made. He talks about all these different things. But I want to share with you uh, something that if you're paranoid, it's scary. And if you're lonely and insecure, it's comforting. 
That if you're running from God and you don't want God to find you, you're in trouble. (laughs) Because you won't be found. He even says this about God. And, and, And if you love God and you want His presence, this is a good thing. But if you're afraid of God or afraid of God's uh, vindictiveness or so you might believe God is, David says this, Where can I go from your Spirit? <laughs> Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. God is in hell, he says. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the depth of it, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, my sin, my shame will cover me. God, you will not be able to see me. You will not be able to look at me because I am unworthy, invaluable. I don't matter. And he says, even though... I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. You will not be able to see. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. He says, I don't turn from you in darkness. I'm with you in it. Why people say he turned his back on his son and he couldn't be everywhere once for one moment is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Because it is at that moment his son needs him the most. Maybe the world couldn't see God in the cross of Christ, but God saw Himself there. It is a moment when sin's judgment comes along that God's presence is the greatest, extending the grace beyond it. That's why the shadow of the cross is long and deep and far. And there's nothing you can bring before the cross of the Christ will say, oh, no, that doesn't count. It all fits. Our darkness is covered by the darkness of the cross shadow, which when God looks at it, sees His light extending beyond. And somewhere underneath it, in the shadow of the cross, we are, and all God sees is light. But we're looking up through the darkness of the cross and the sin that it's covering rather than the light of God. The eclipse. Good picture that in the totality, people are excited as it gets closer. Excited! As it gets darker and darker. Oh, it's getting darker! It's getting darker! They're getting excited and pretty soon comes that last little crescent of the sun and then that thing they call the diamond ring which is a little sparkle of sun and around the moon looks like a ring. And then it's dark and people go, wow, this is cool. And it was cool. It was really cool. It was awesome. The most uh, wonderful thing I've ever seen, actually. But what were we staring at? The darkness of the moon and us in its shadow were protected from the blazing heat of the sun so we could see the sun's effect. Our darkness didn't stop us from seeing the light of the sun now because the moon covers 
It is the same way with the cross of Christ. Its shadow covers us so we can begin to look toward the face of God and not be blinded, but rather covered in the grace that says you can look. Remember the old hymns? It says, my hope is built on nothing less. He says, uh, when stormy winds assail, my anchor holds within the veil. The, the first part of that says, when darkness hides His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, the darkness, my anchor holds within the veil where I can't see God because of the darkness. But the darkness isn't overcoming God. It says the light shines in the darkness in John chapter 1, verse 6, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness cannot undo what God does in. When we live in the shadow of the cross, our dark shadow we don't like to see about ourselves is covered by grace. So we can live out the Gospel in broken, wounded vessels. And that's good news. <laughs> that's real good news. I'm thankful for that. Toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, the Sadducees came up to Him. I don't know if this is my favorite passage in Scripture, but I really, really like what it says after it's over. As a matter of fact, at the end of this passage it says, from this point on, nobody asked Jesus any questions. What question did they ask? If you're familiar with the Sadducees, they're the ones who didn't believe there was a resurrection. That's probably why they were sad. You see? I'm sorry. That was no Bible school joke. Um, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they come to Jesus with this test question to show Him that He doesn't understand that there is no resurrection. So they talk about this guy who marries this woman and he's the oldest of seven brothers. He dies and doesn't have a, a, an offspring, no heir. So the second brother is obligated to marry the woman. So he does. He dies with no heir. So the third brother marries the woman and he dies with no heir. On down the line to the seventh brother who marries and leaves no heir and upon, after marrying her dies. And they ask Jesus this question. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Jesus' answer is twofold. And I'm going to give you the second part first. He says, In heaven, we are neither taken nor given in marriage, but we are like the angels. But what He said right before that is what God wants to say to the part of us that thinks we're too dark for His grace. He says to the Sadducees, you err because you don't know the power of God and you do not understand Scriptures. Now, why do I say that this morning? Because we want to believe that God can't love parts of us because we don't. Or that it's unsafe to bring them out into the open because that's dangerous. But what God says is what you reveal, He will heal. 
that what you bring to the light gets exposed to the light and healed by the light. It's shown for what it is. Let me ask you a question to explain this a little further. If you knew somebody who was grown up in a broken home with abusive people, both physically, mentally, and sexually, and denied their needs, and told them they were a lousy person, and this person you met and seemed very unsure of themselves, and when they talked to you, they would say something like this. Well, I, I, I have um, no God who loves me because everybody who loves me hurts me. And they don't trust anybody. Are you going to look at them and go, well, God's trustable, you just got to trust God and everything will be okay. <laughs> or are you going to look at their darkness and say, you know, your life taught you this is the truth. And would you have compassion on them? Or would you begin to try and theologize how they just don't know who God is? <laughs> What's going to work? I promise you, if you theologize with an emotional state on somebody, you're not going to do anything but make them upset. Or make them go away and think you're a religious zealot. And folks like that who hear that God turns His back on His Son because of sin will really think that God turns His back on them when they sin. That's what they will hear. But what if... What if that person was said something like this? You know, I know it's hard for you to believe, but God knows what you've been through. And He knows that you need somebody who will be there for you and not hurt you and never leave you, but will think of you first. And you don't know what that experience is like. And I'm sorry, but maybe now you can begin to let me love you that way for a while to show you that there is an exception to your darkness. What do you think would happen? Maybe they're so closed off they don't trust it. But it's not going to happen the first time you try. And it's not going to happen the first time you confront the person in the mirror and say, I care about you. It's not going to work necessarily if you have a dis a disintegrated personality or you don't like yourself very much because you're not your friend. And so, when we begin to hear the darkness, listen to what the Sadducees really said. They said, we don't believe in a resurrection. And therefore, we believe this life is all there is. That's darkness. No hope for an eternity. And Jesus says you don't know the power of God. Our darkness doesn't know the power of God because it hasn't been exposed to it. And the power of God is love, grace, the Holy Spirit movement, and the anointing power of His love through and in you. Darkness doesn't know that it can't comprehend that. It doesn't make sense that God would do that for someone who is dark. Maybe for somebody good. 
but not for me. And he says, and also to the Sadducees, you don't understand the Scriptures either. But what we miss is the power of God in our lives when the darkness keeps winning. When we're already covered by another shadow. The cross. We keep looking at our darkness rather than looking up toward the cross of Christ. And its darkness is grace covering. It was not the light of God, but the darkness that stood in the way of the Pharisees' thinking. People in darkness, says Isaiah 9, have seen a great light. On one side of the cross is judgment for those hiding in darkness. And until light shines on it and the shadow casts grace, the darkness remains. Our dark side, your dark side, doesn't know the power of God. And it doesn't want to hear theology today. It doesn't want to hear, oh, by justification, salvation, redemption, and, and holiness, you'll have a good life. Our dark side's going, and what does that have to do with real life? <laughs> So Isaiah says, a light for the people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell, those who dwell, verse 2, those who dwelt in the land of shadow and death, and the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. Do you understand that this is not a Christmas passage, although we use it at Christmas all the time? It is an everyday passage. That when the light of God begins to shine on your darkness, you see the light and the shadow dispels. You see, you're either casting your shadow or you're under the shadow of the cross, one or the other. Your shadow will be exposed by the light of darkness. Your shadow in the darkness of the cross is exposed as covered by grace. Which way do you prefer it? This morning I'm asking you to take a little walk on the dark side of the cross. The dark side is the covering of grace. It's the part that says when you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am redeemed, I'm lovable, and not arrogantly saying this, I'm okay with who I am because God made me this way. And I'm not going to disagree with His choices for me. And then you can begin to partner with yourself, if you will, and others can too, to keep you accountable to walk the faith and the straight and narrow path. But that comes once you make that friendship real. And this morning told you I was going to do something, mention something about the pantry. And I'm really, really encouraged this morning. And I hope you are too. As I said, they've become from folks we didn't know. The folks who were coming. To friends. To family. That process doesn't happen in a moment. 
People who walk in darkness have seen a great light. And people are afraid of the light because they think it's going to expose them as bad or unworthy. And the fact of the matter is that the light of Jesus Christ <laughs> covers our darkness and gives us time to be healed where grace can enter those places of hurt. I don't know about you, but if God were working on me, and I had some stuff I really didn't want anybody to know about, I wanted to take me into this really dark fur closet and just start doing the work. And when I was done, I could come out and say, oh, that's all done. Do you think maybe that God does work like that? That He works on the inside? Does the surgery that He needs to do to clean stuff up, change our thinking, and begin to work that out in our lives around us? Do you think maybe He does that? This morning I'm going to tell you that's how He works. That He doesn't embarrass you. He works on the things in you that are broken and hurting that you're not comfortable with. Because His job is to love you and help you to love others as He does. i close with this verse. First John, it says this, How can someone say they love God if they hate their brother? Because if you hate your brother, the love of God is not in you. Well, I want to share with you that sometimes we take that as an external love. But let me make this a little more personal. How can you say you love God if you hate yourself? Because God loves you and you don't love what God loves. This is when we walk in darkness. This is to walk in the shadow of shame, pain, guilt, and loneliness. Thinking that we don't matter. That we are unvaluable, unredeemable people. When that happens and we get to that place, we don't like who we are very much. We act it out in relationships. But when we begin to say, God loves me. He took a chance on me in Calvary. I'm going to say to myself, I agree that what He did worked. That it was enough for me to begin to remove the junk that the world has put in there and that I believed is true. And so I'm going to learn how to treat myself better and not let others treat me like I used to see myself. People who think they're invaluable, let other people do the same to them. We don't let ourselves be treated any better or worse than we treat ourselves. It's true. So this morning I'm asking you to step out of your shadow, look to the shadow of the cross and see that it's covered. That you live under grace. Not in your shadow. Your shadow is a reflection of what was you. But now your shadow reflects the image of Jesus Christ's cross, which you're under. Your shadow looks like that.